Episode 145, Dennis Bernstein, what's happening? Jay, uh, Merry Christmas. Hope Santa was good to you and ready to do another episode with you. Well, and happy Hanukkah as well. If I read uh, the Google uh, machine correctly, Hanukkah (laughs) ends on December 26th this year. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Okay, so. And I think think it it ended uh, last night. So, yes. So it would end technically on the day of the 26th. Okay, so, uh, yeah, we're all out of order right here because we did plan on releasing three episodes prior to Christmas, uh, or or I should say prior to the end of the 26th. We were going to do two before right. Christmas and one on the 26th. So we do have Stephen Nelson lined up. It's become an annual holiday tradition heading into the World Juniors. We were going to record this morning. We had to call an audible. We're now recording at the end of the day for the yeah. show. So Stephen's uh, in- interview was actually recorded earlier prior to the world juniors beginning this morning. And then mm-hmm. we're now recording this uh, portion of the show now. So it's just going to be a fun episode. People buckle up and just deal with it. Okay. So uh, DB, we can cover off day one of the world juniors. We can yep. sometime throughout this podcast, but first there's some non sort of uh, hockey related stuff that's happening. First of all, uh, it was a post Christmas miracle. The Broncos fired their coach today, yes. uh, which is, yes. Absolutely fantastic after that egg they laid. Look, he needed to go anyway, but especially embarrassing on Christmas Day. And you had the pleasure of witnessing that. You uh, you were out there at SoFi. That was a dinosaur egg, Mayor. That wasn't just a regular <laughs> egg. It wasn't a hen-laid egg. It was a dinosaur egg. What a g- Hey, the, the Rams, and they do play the Chargers next weekend at SoFi, but it gave their the home fans a, a nice send-off. So that was... Uh, I don't know about Russell Wilson, man. I just I, don't know, man. That guy's stealing money. He should be arrested because he was just awful. Like the one interception he threw to Bobby Wagner, I guess he was thanking him for all those years as a Seahawk. But it was, uh, yeah, when a team plays that poorly, um, coach has to go. So yeah, Dennis, they were sad. fighting each other on the sidelines. I mean, I know, you're, the yeah. team is imploding. It's, it's, it's just imploded. completely unacceptable. They quit on the coach. That's what happens. So that's what happens. And so, okay. Uh, and it's only one season, so I guess they cut their losses. And you know the Walton, you know the Walton family got money, so they can pay. They can pay Haggard. They can probably pay ten coaches not to coach. So it was uh, a necessary move. Well, and of course now the intrigue begins as well because when one coach exits, another one is bound to come in. That's more for the off season, though. It's the sort of the the, the thing about the NFL is that when the coaches get fired, it, it kind of drags into the off season because. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's not going to happen. Boom, 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 boom. So, uh, no, no, you know, no, no. 37 interviews will need to take place and, and all that sort of good stuff. They'll still and, pick the wrong guy. So. 
Well, thanks for the faith. I'm hoping they pick the right guy. Uh, just nice. pick pick somebody to figure this thing out because maybe not a first time coach. It's never been. It's only been an assistant. Maybe that's you want to swerve. Could be, could be. But there's first time guys out there. Everybody needs to be. Uh, you know, everybody needs to have a break. Get a get a chance. Yeah. Maybe there's a guy out there that uh, that can do it. But enough about the football. Then on World Juniors Day, while while the rest of the hockey world, Dennis, is glued to the best 20-year-old and under players in the in the uh, game of hockey, you decided to take a field trip out to Santa Anita. I did. And uh you were you were at the ponies today. I was at the ponies. Now this is a this is a great story. So, you know, I, I have I have actually have my racehorse shirt. I'm in part of that syndicate that buys horse, and you are too as well. Um, that buys horses, you know, you get margin, fractional shares. But today it was sold out. John, there must have been 40,000 people at Santa Anita. You would really? not have believed. John, it was packed. It was unbelievable. Like wow. people like uh, at, at the at the uh, rail, yeah. I'd say 20 deep for races. John, you had to really? wait a half hour to get food. It was un because wow. it, it's a day off. It's a beautiful day. They had all these stakes races. So we could, we tried to go with uh, one of my uh, – one of my cousins, but there were no tickets to be had. Believe it, it was sold out, John. Uh, oh but, gosh. but the, the yeah, it's the been lovely, years, <laughs> John. It was unbelievable the crowd. So the lovely PJ, my wife, has a friend who owns a legit owner. Like you know, it was back at the state. He goes, yeah, my wife's not coming. Just come to the owner's gate, and you know, I'll, I'll get you in, and we'll go on the the back. We'll go back by the stables, see the horses and stuff like that. So he owns three horses. So And you said, of course me. I know where the owner's gate is. I'm an owner. You're an That's owner. You're like, exactly. you know, owner to owner. You told the guy, it's cool, man. I'll see you at the owner's gate. I got it. Exactly. I got it. I'm so, following you. So we go back to the stable and take some pictures with the horses. And I tweet one of them because it was really funny. I did a selfie one of the one of his horses. And Dave Jackson, who was just a guest on, on Kings of the Podcast, yeah. texted me. And says, I didn't know you were a horse guy. He's a big horse guy. His wife worked at Los Alamitos and still re- works there remotely. Really? So, yeah. So he, Dave's in Denver. So he's like, you know, he's like a big, you know, way back in the day, the big horse. She's from Long Beach. She worked at Los Alamitos. And, I, and then he says, like, okay, so my wife says to bet on this horse, fun to dream in the eighth race. So he gives me a tip. Okay. The horse wins. And pay seven twenty to win. And <laughs> Wait, so I, when, what I, was what? What were the odds? Uh, like I, it pays like seven twenty. It was like three oh, four to one. I thought you said thirty seven to one. No, no. But I won like seventy dollars betting on the horse. So I put down there. You go. Yeah, and like I take. I'm like Jack. You can believe it. Like your your wife's tip paid off. There believe you go. Not. So that was like amazing that he reached out and said. Uh, so they've been around. They've been horse people a long time. So it was great to hear from DJ and. Uh, and he, 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 you know, next time I'm in Denver, I got to buy him and his wife dinner because yeah. their tip paid off. You know what's so funny, TB? As many times as I've been out to Santa Anita and to Del Mar, both, I've never been to Los Alamitos. Uh, ne- for never horse I've not either because I'm not a Isn't quarter that funny? horse guy. It's, it's mostly quarter horses. Yeah. Right? And they're, that's kind of boring. It's a right? different thing. It's a totally a different thing. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, but it was uh, it was great to hear from Dave. I'm like, oh man. So and and also Tim Peel reaches out a lot too to to me now. So but it was great to hear from DJ. And he gave me a tip that paid off. So it was uh, it was a great day, a lot of fun. But uh, let's talk hockey. Yeah, well that's a that's a fantastic story. Um, he he should have given you a tip on the World Juniors, and it would have been fantastic because <laughs> it certainly would have paid more than thirty seven to one if you would have picked Canada to lose. So uh, 
And the yeah. Swiss upset too. Swiss yeah. So let's game. let's go back to the beginning of the day. We'll take it. We'll take it in order. And uh, by the way, sure. if you're not up to date on the World Junior Championships, shameless plug. There is an article on the homepage of Mayor's Manor. We have the schedule there for you of the uh, games that feature LA Kings prospects. So if you want to pay attention to what's going on there, the Kings do have three prospects in this tournament, Dennis, which is quite different than eight, nine, yeah. ten prospects as uh, they've had in recent years. But three prospects on three different teams as well. So one of the things that's been interesting is not only to see the Kings have prospects littered throughout the tournament, but also on some of those teams where they had multiple players on the same team. That was kind of cool. Uh, but now you can isolate and just watch, you know, sort of mm -hmm. one prospect. So sure. uh, this morning started off with the Swiss taking on Team Finland. And uh, Team Finland, of course, has one Kings prospect. The three prospects for L.A. are on Finland, uh, the U.S. and Canada. So Otto Salin. Uh, by the way, DB, that is the correct pronunciation. I did, I did that confirm right. that, but they were getting it wrong on the TV broadcast, uh, referring to him as Salon, at least early on. Uh, anyway, he wears number three for Team Finland, and Finland has become really, um, over the last couple of years, one of the the Americans' top rivals. They've, they've oh, yeah. really handed it to Team yep. USA, including, of course, in Vancouver, which I've referenced before. Uh, so Finland's really yep. been a powerhouse, but... This year's team is not ex not not as deep, not expected to be mm -hmm. as yeah. deep as some of the others. Uh, but still, nonetheless, Finland uh, it would be a top five uh, team. Right. Uh, yeah, among among the ten teams, and they end up losing to the Swiss. And the Swiss the Swiss are like they're this pesky little country. They are. That they just reach up every year and they seem to bite somebody. And today right. they got their teeth into uh, Team Finland. So Finland did not get off to a great start there, uh, losing the game in, in the first game of today. Uh, then the second game, let's see, what was the second game today? Because the Sweden. U.S. game, uh, oh, the Sweden. Sweden, that's why it was so forgettable. Yes, thank you. <laughs> exactly. This isn't, this isn't, the whole world's upside down. Perfect. You remember the tournament more than I do, Dennis. That was a very forgettable game. I think Sweden won like 86 to nothing. Yeah. It was, uh, was it 12? I think it was 12. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Once it gets yeah. to double digits, it's, it's really a route. And I know that yeah, some people have a real problem with uh, some of those teams, you know, pouring it on, but goal differential ends up being one of the tiebreakers. And that's why the teams right. kind of continue to pour it on in the round Robin. Uh, so, and, you teams and there's also relegation this year. There is. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, look at you. You've studied. So yes, that's for right. those that, for those that don't know, uh, there are 10 teams in the world juniors and normally the top eight teams advance to the playoffs and the bottom two teams play a best of three playoff series, if you will. Right. They play a best of three relegation round where the team that loses gets relegated down to tier two, if you will. And mm -hmm. the team who won the tier two world juniors this year would move up into the, the group. Now, relegation right. was suspended during the uh, COVID, COVID sort of pandemic years. And, and then you had Russia not participating this year. So that sort of messed things up as well. But relegation is back. So two teams, the bottom two teams, team nine and yeah. team 10 are going to fight it out. And one team of this group of 10 is going to drop out and they will not be able to participate at the world juniors next year. So that's really a, right. a, a big deal. Obviously Sweden has no plans of being relegated, uh, nor do the Americans or team Canada, uh, Finland. I mean, you better watch out though. <laughs> You're down. Oh, one, uh, coming, you know, at the end of day one game three was team USA. And boy, you talk about pesky little teams, Dennis. Yeah, um, Latvia. Yeah. Latvia, they were they were sneaky good at the tournament last year mm -hmm. in Edmonton. And once again, they were sneaky good this this year as well, or in game one, I should say. Um, they had it tied several times with the yep. Americans. And then finally Team USA got their got their engines going and they uh, got sure. things moving and uh poured in a you know, punched in a couple goals there in the third period, and ended up winning 
going away, if you will. So Team Team USA advances. They're one and zero. And then the nightcapper. This is the one that everybody's going to be talking about, Dennis. Yep. Canada uh, looking to go back to back and with a gold medal on home soil as well, uh, taking on. Mm-hmm. A team that, you know, they've really been on the rise the last couple of years. And then here's the story. Not only did they win, Dennis, but they won pretty big in this game. Uh, I think the final score was five to two. And as uh, agent to the stars, Alan Walsh, again, another person who's been on the program before. Uh, Alan loves to tweet because he seems to have all of uh, Chechnya's uh, players every year. I think he had like nine guys or something crazy on the team last year. He has the goalie. Yeah. Uh, Tomas Sahanik, I believe, is the yeah. pronunciation. Uh, the yeah, goalie Sahanik. for yep. yeah, mm-hmm. Sahanik. Uh, he's undrafted, by the way. So perhaps uh, if something goes wrong with Copley, then the Kings can take a look at him. But um, <laughs> this guy in goal, man, he he beat team. Uh, the, he beat the U.S. He beat Team USA it, right. last year mm-hmm. in the playoffs, yep. and then now he's beaten Team Canada in round one. So as Walsh tweeted out, this guy has beaten both Canada and USA at the World Juniors in the last five months. Uh, which is pretty unbelievable. So, and what a weird game too to watch Dennis, because Canada was wearing white. They're wearing the white versions of like the summit series jerseys. Mm -hmm. They're wearing the white jerseys. And then you have Czechnia in the red jerseys. And so it's very confusing because your eye wants to tell you that the red jerseys on the ice are Canada. So it's like watching the game in reverse. It's very confusing, but uh, the good news is that team Canada gets tomorrow off. So, um, that means that the Canadian media, they can make a, a 48 oh, hour, oh you know, a 48 hour drama out of this. It will be nonstop, <laughs> nonstop sports radio talk and TV talk tomorrow in Canada about the big loss. Yeah, John. So when you take penalties and you get bad goaltending, no matter what level you lose. And that's what happened. The, the, the goaltending for Canada was horrific. And now, but now what's happening is you're starting to see the reaction to when Bedard tried the Michigan move in the first period and that everybody's all over him saying it's a selfish move. It's not team Bedard, it's team Canada. So yes, the next 48 hours, crisis management for Canadian media. Big but time. that was, uh, that was, that's how to lose a game, John, because there's no question <laughs> when you have Bedard and Clark and, and Shane Wright, like you should win that game, but penalty trouble and bad goaltending, it, 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 it's never a winning formula. Well, they also have a goaltending controversy now because the coaching staff had said that they were going to do a 50-50 split mm-hmm. uh, through at least through the round robin, and then they were going to see where it went from there. And so the starting goaltender gets pulled, and uh, they said, okay, well, yeah. now what? Because now, what? now if the other guy comes back and has a great game two, then do you just ride the quote-unquote hot hand at that point mm-hmm. going into game three, or would you go back to? So it's just going to be uh, it's going to be miserable. Oh, it's going to be so insufferable uh, being up there in, in Canada right now now and uh, having to deal with that so the, they are gripping at this particular moment John, Dennis it's, it's, it's one just game too bad it's too bad that, that the NHL plays tomorrow because if there were no games tomorrow then all <laughs> the focus would be on this game and unbelievable so yes well uh look I mean you know I'm hoping that Brant Clark has a great tournament but I wouldn't be particularly yeah. sad if uh Canada went 0 for 4 let's just uh, put it that way right? yeah I know I know I'm where you, I know where you're your rooting interest slide. Right? Yes, look, you you can tell me that I'm F-U, not allowed to cheer F-U. when I'm in an NHL press box, but when you go to the World Juniors, Dennis, you do have to represent your country. I do believe in that. After you buried Edmonton last week, John, I think that uh, well, yeah, this is no surprise that you're rooting for Canada to go over for. Look, it's just not my kind of city. Like, if you like it, that's cool. It's kind of like music, right? Like, I don't like Taylor Swift, but if that's your thing, like, okay, fine, but. Yeah, I mean, Edmonton sucks. What do you want me to tell you? I just I, I tell it like it is, Dennis. You're all making friends along the way as he goes. You know what maybe it is, though? 
What? Here's what it is. It's people. You and I know this. It's all about the people. And mm-hmm. uh, Hammer from Violent Gentleman, he tried connecting yes. me with uh, a, a group that he's friends with up there that he became friends with um, okay. in Edmonton. And our schedules just didn't work out when I was up there. So maybe that's sure. what it was. Maybe if I would have just been around some better people, Locals, maybe, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe I would have enjoyed it better. I don't know. For sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's the World Junior Tournament. So uh, Tuesday, the schedule is a little bit different because Team USA and Canada both have the day off. And then uh, mm-hmm. that that's good because the Kings have a game on the 27th. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, DB, I will be back on uh, Valley Sports during oh, the fantastic. first intermission yeah. for the Kings Vegas. So hopefully the Kings don't lay a Broncos sized egg in the first period. So hopefully it's a good first. So, so tomorrow night, you'll be back on tomorrow night. First intermission. Fantastic. Yeah. So awesome. uh, attention, Todd McClellan, uh, get the yeah. boys fired up. Let's have a good right. first period. So everybody's in a good mood when I come on uh, first intermission. Okay. Uh, So yeah, the Kings are going to be playing. They're going to be going up. They're going to be going up against the Vegas Golden Knights, of course. Uh, But Dennis, before we tee up the Vegas game, and then you also have the Colorado roadie, uh, which is an up and back real quick game. And then you have Mm -hmm. the new year's Eve spectacular afternoon spectacular uh, at, uh, at crypto. (laughs) Still not used to that Uh, at crypto against the flyers, which are always a good time. Uh, I love seeing the Kings and flyers takes me back to 67 before I was born and the inaugural game that the LA Kings played There's a trivia fact for you folks. Um, let, why don't we why don't we go back and quickly recap because we had Mikey Anderson on the program recently heading sure. into uh, the two games, the final two games before the holiday NHL's holiday break and the Kings, uh, they won one, they lost one. So the game that they won was on home ice. That game was on uh, Wednesday, I believe, or Thursday. That was against the Calgary Flames. Correct. Uh, yep. Any any thoughts or takeaways from the Calgary game other than the fantastic photo finish of Kempe scoring the game winning goal, Dennis? Uh, they're as good as that team. There's no question that, that and they've lost two. One, they won a one goal game. They lost a one goal game. They lost six five. There's you know, gentlemen. I look around the league. I'm thinking like, how many teams are they clearly not better than? And it's just a handful of teams. So it was. A, it, look, they got to play better with the lead. You're up three one in the third. That need that game needs to go to five one, not one four three in overtime and give the other team a point. But it was they found a way to win in overtime. They found a way to win in extra time. And uh, I I just you know it's. They're going to be in the race, John. I mean, I think Vegas is still going to be the team, and that's why tomorrow's game is so interesting because they played them opening night. Now you want to see them, and I don't think they're at full strength. But um, this this team is going to be – they're going to be pesky all season. So that was a nice win because, John, I'll tell you this. Two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, they lose that game in regulation. They don't hold on to go to overtime. They don't, And they wind up giving up another goal. They probably lose that game 4-3 with 5-3 with an open net. They found a way to, to stay in the game, get the point, and get the extra point. So that's that's why this team's improved over the last couple of weeks because I, I turned to people in the box. I said, look, they lose that game a couple of weeks ago. So it was, it was good to hang in against the division opponent, which they haven't played good in the division for two seasons now, and they're starting to get better against the division. So that was my impression of that game. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think I think uh, a lot of your points there, I, I would have to agree with uh, not only the part about beating, you know, a division opponent, which they haven't had success with. And that's important. But the earlier the kind of the earlier point that you were making about the tiers, we were talking about this a few shows back about how there are different tiers, right? Yes. Uh, yep, if you were to do a power rankings uh, of the top 30 and sometimes two numbers that are next to each other. You could be the ninth and the 10th in the power rankings, and you might be basically equal, or you could be nine and 10, and there could be a a, a sharp decline from nine to 10. So those tiers are important, just like on draft. Here's what concerns me overall, and I'd have to go in and break down the individual numbers of late, because 
to me, this Kings team has almost played like three seasons within a season. There were sort of the first mm-hmm. 10 games. Oh, my gosh, I'm sounding like Terry Murray right now. But there were the first 10 games of the season, then the next 10 games, and then sort of the next 10 games, you know, after right. that. Maybe you could do it mm-hmm. in 15 game increments, given that I sure. think the Kings have played, yeah, 37 games as I look at the sheet here. Um, right. But th- this is the, the overall what's concerning to me. You know, I love the goal differential. It's such a great leading indicator of what's happening within a group. And there are five teams in the Pacific Division with positive goal differentials. uh, Excuse me, four teams in the top five. Excuse me, four of the top five. Only one with a negative goal differential. And that happens to be the Kings. But here's the thing that is so interesting about that. Vegas at a plus 22 is running away in the goal differential in the Pacific division. They are. Yep. And then you have LA at minus seven. Seattle's a plus nine. Calgary's a plus one. Edmonton's a plus four. So, you know, a plus one or a plus four, that's just one game. So basically Calgary is even Edmonton is even the Kings are almost even because they're minus seven, right? That's more than one game of take out the Buffalo third period that they're minus one. If you take that out, there you go, yeah. right? So, yeah. and, the, and then you look at the Seattle uh, Kraken. They're at a plus nine, so they're barely above. So yeah. most of this group is all sort of together. And then right. you look at the number of goals for and number of goals scored, and it, it just continues to be such an anomaly, such a weird year for the Kings that they're actually producing goals. Now, the Kings have played one more goal than the Vegas Golden Knights. And I know yeah. that we probably should save this for the third period because we're looking back first. But 122 goals for for Vegas, 121 goals for the L.A. Kings. In your wildest dreams, when would you have ever thought that the Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights would basically be about even in goals? That just doesn't make sense, Dennis. Yeah, I wouldn't. There's no way. Not coming into the season, but that shows how much the offense improved. It shows how much Fial means. It shows the emergence of, you know, Velarde, who's had a cold streak, and also Kaliev. So, But it, it shows that this team has depth. You don't get to that point, John, without depth, without scoring depth. That's the, one, that's the difference between this team and last season's team that they have depth uh, up front on the forwards. Well, and you look at a guy like Alex Iafalo, who's been so instrumental to the offense over the last couple of years, and for him to miss yeah. pretty much the whole season, uh, yeah. what, I think it was game four when he went down, he Detroit. missed 25 mm-hmm. games. You know, not that Brendan Lemieux drives offense, but there's another guy who's in the lineup 90% of the time, and he's out of yep. the, he misses a bunch of games too. So you have two regular players who are missing time and you do need depth to be able to have players to come in. It's just fascinating to me when you look at the stats that way. Edmonton only has 126 goals. So in terms of goals for, the Kings have enough offense to basically hang with anybody in this division. It's the goals against that's been the problem. So whether that's the defense, whether it's the goaltending, or whether it's both, let's now move on to the the next game, which was the Arizona Coyotes game. This is a game that goes to overtime, excuse me, overtime, yes, but it eventually ended in a shootout. Uh, Dennis, to me, that was a game that they needed to win. However, I look at that game and go, look, it's a back to it's the back end of a back to back on the road. And I know you're only taking a flight, but still on the road is on the road. Okay, you're on the road on the second night of a back to back game and you leave town with a point when everybody's probably thinking about the holidays and getting home to their wife and their kids and everything that they need to do over the next couple of days. Guys are going out of town. Caliab's in Florida. A couple of somebody's in Buffalo. Like guys are getting on planes and planes are being grounded, Dennis, because of travel everywhere. So you get a point. I think that's one of those games where you just take the point and you go, screw it. Move on. Don't think about it. It taught that if the game was a great point and look, if, (laughs) <laughs> if Lemieux doesn't take that dumb double minor in the first period, um, they don't get a five on three and they, it's, it might be they win that game one nothing. So 
he thought it was a great point. And uh, given the time and place and circumstance, yeah, I, I would think that you would hope. I, I think winning the Calgary game, though, didn't make it mandatory that they win that game. So they three points out of four. And they were gassed. He said they, the team was gassed. And it, it, right, John, 90 minutes. Oh, charter flight, 90 minutes doesn't mean anything. It means something. You're not sleeping in your own bed, sleeping in a different hotel. It's just, it's, um, it, it was a good point for them. Even though when you look at the standings, you see how oh, that team only won 12 games. But given the circumstances, I think it's a well-owned point. And you didn't lose the game. You, you found a way to come from behind and get a tie. And, you know, you have better luck in the shootout. Maybe you win that game. Yeah, and if you're going to take three out of four game or three out of four points, you definitely want to get the two out of those three against Calgary, Division. being that that's a team that's probably going to be, uh, you know, yep. bothering you for the remainder of the season that you're that you're contending with in terms of uh, playoff positioning. So, uh, all right, let's wrap up the first period, Dennis. Coming up on the other side of the break, we are thrilled to be joined once again by Stephen Nelson. He's all over your uh, your TV airwaves these days. He's on the NHL Network. He's on MLB Network. He's become one of our favorite guests on the program here. He joins us every year around this time with a World Junior Championship preview. preview. So on the other side of the break, we'll be talking to Nelly. Welcome back, Kings of the Podcast, second period. If you listen to Kings of the Podcast at all and you look at the calendar and you know that it's uh, around the holidays with the 26th upon us for World Juniors, you know that we had to bring this guest back on. Steven Nelson, one of our favorites, uh, especially at this time of the year. Nelly, what's going on? Boy, God, this is the annual tradition that I look forward to every single year. And I'm, I can't believe it's already happening because I have no concept of time anymore with going through the pandemic and now having a, a child who's 17 months. I just don't know what time it is anymore. So, I'm, uh, but I'm happy that it is time to visit with you guys and preview the World Juniors. How are you guys? We're doing outstanding. I mean, you know, it's it's beautiful weather here in Southern California. We're not experiencing what the rest of the country is. So uh, uh, Dennis and I, yeah. we live we live uh, pretty charmed lives. So oh, I would say that uh, DB, we're we're great, right? Is that is that the word we're going with? Pristine. That's pristine. Okay. Pristine. Um, so wait. So this fellas, this is not a, this is a not a hot hot start when you're twisting the weather dagger on somebody who's stuck <laughs> in the East Coast. In yeah. this wall, I spent in the holidays. Having spent the holidays in, in Texas, where it was the frozen tundra randomly, and you guys were dropping, oh, it was eighty degrees yesterday. Yeah. So scumbag, scumbag move on you on your part. Back to you. <laughs> we're off to a hot start. I love it. Hey, look, we did we did petition the IIHF to make this the unofficial official podcast of the World Juniors, considering that we give the tournament so much pub, and that we have you on, and we had Starman on uh, before. We've had John Van yeah. Beesbrook on. We've had all kinds of people on related to the World Juniors. But you're like the unofficial co-host when it comes time for the World Juniors. It's, it's an honor that I take very seriously. I'll have you know, and I, you know, we should let me respond to that Starman interview that you did a couple months ago. Now I can confirm that story from Victoria in the 2019 <laughs> tournament where I did. I was like doing my, you know, host thing, uh, trying cribs? to play, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you know, trying to play on words and use letters and stuff. And Starman stopped us down. That was this was the first time he stopped us down. Uh, the second time we'll get to in a second. But he's like, 
hey, this is it's a World Junior Championship. We're in British Columbia. This is very serious stuff. You know, treat the tournament with respect. And I was like, okay, got it. And then later, like I was trying to be very, you know, uh, interactive. Um, this is my first tournament and I just wanted to do a little different spin on it. You know, there's a lot of interest in the tournament and trying to answer questions about the players and the prospects and the tournament, all these things. So I was like trying to work in Twitter questions throughout the, the broadcast. And I got through one period of doing that. And then Starman says, I don't want to turn this into a, during the intermission. He's like, I don't want to turn this into a bleep and talk show. Let's just do the game. I'm like, okay, sorry. I'm like, okay. And, and, you know, it was just, I, and, and like, I, you know, I, I'm very much, I respond to constructive criticism and feedback and I want whichever analyst on whatever show or game that I'm doing to feel like they're in a good spot and comfortable. So I was like, okay, done, shut it down. Like we're, we're not going to do it. Sure. Um, and I think Starman appreciated that. I didn't try to, you know, fit the square, like a square peg, you know, around whole situation and, and, and make him do things that he's not comfortable with. And, uh, and yeah, but that was like the beginning of a relationship. And I was like, damn, this guy's really a ton of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I can confirm that story, but I did not appreciate what he said at the very end of the interview and episode where he said, Oh, that'll be the first bill Nelly ever picks up. First of oh, all, man. I haven't seen the guy in person, but outside of like two days, the last three years. And whenever we are in the same physical place at one time, he's, he is like lone wolf. I could barely get him to sit down for a salad. So like it's just erroneous, erroneous information being thrown out by Starman. So he could just sit there with his Bigelow tea and be quiet for a minute. Well, I have to tell you, first of all, there's nothing that Dennis and I love better uh, or more than a good receipt. And you just packed in yes. two 12 month yeah. old receipts. So congratulations. Yeah. That was fantastic. Yeah. The only disappointing thing in that entire story is that we didn't record this a week earlier because I just ran into Starman in the airport about a week ago. <laughs> right. And uh, we were chatting it up. And of course, your name came up. Well, first of all, just just to set the stage, I go through security. Uh, Dennis and I were talking about this a few weeks ago about how much I love clear. I love clear right to the front of the line, right through security. I bolt through security. Yeah. And as I'm coming out on the other end, I hear a voice that if you know college hockey, if you know world juniors, you know, if you follow prospects, you know the voice. It's Starman's yeah. voice cutting through the entire airport. And uh, so we bump into each other. I say hello and uh, we're chatting it up and we're reliving him coming on the podcast, et cetera. And of course, your name came up. So uh, despite those receipts that you just provided, I will tell you, he does think very highly of you. And, oh, I... and that uh, not only all the positive things that he said about you on the program, he reiterated to me, and I don't know if this is breaking news or not, but apparently he's winding down his career of uh, calling the world juniors at some point over the next couple of years because he slipped in how much he loves you is that he hopes that you are his broadcast partner for the next few years as he winds up his world junior career. So I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's thinking uh, about in terms of his longevity because Starman seems young enough to me that he could be doing this for, you know, another couple of decades, but that's what he said. He hopes to be with you. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, first of all, I do love Star, and, and he has been he has been so instrumental in like my development as a hockey play by play broadcaster, and I'm forever indebted to him. Like, Tran- transforming awesome. you from MTV Cribs to a true <laughs> a true sports from, guy. <laughs> yeah, from this black dick standing next to him to now somebody that he actually respects. Yeah. yeah so right. it's, it's it's been a long road in a short amount of time. So no, I'm like forever grateful to him, and I'll always sing his praises. I can't imagine world junior championship hockey coverage without his voice attached to it in some way. Um, so that'll be weird, but a star also strikes me as the person who is like, yeah, this is it. This is my last ride. And then like 10 years later, he's still doing it and he's still saying that this is it. This is my last ride. So I'll, I'll believe that when I see it or hear it or don't hear it, if that makes sense. So, so he's on the, he's on the either kiss or Ozzy, um, final tour, final, 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 final tour. Yeah. 1000%. Got it. Got it. Uh, what, just set this up for us. I'm sure Dennis has a slew of questions as well, but uh, set the stage for us. There's been four or five world juniors that you've you've been involved with now. For those that don't know, and by the way, why doesn't anybody know who you are at this point? You're doing stuff on MLB Network. You're doing stuff on NHL Network. You're calling the weekend. Are they called the showcase games? What are they called on NHL Network? Yeah, the NHL Network showcase games. Okay. Or because they're broadcast like globally around Europe, there's NHL Saturday uh, worldwide. So okay. yeah, it's, it's it's yeah, it's been it's been fun calling those games. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Mr. Worldwide over here. Okay, so you're doing stuff all over the world. I got it. Okay, you're a big shot now. You're a big timer. Uh, we yeah, got it. We understand. Full of uh, NHL announcers. Let's go. Come on. We, we, look, dude, we knew you back when. We knew you when you yeah, were nothing. Okay. So, by the way, fellas, this is a true story. You guys, I was asked before the tournament, hey, do you want to do any media? And I said, the only thing that I'm doing is Kings of the Podcast. That's a, that's a certified fact. Get out. You did doing, not. No, no I'm, I, I like, I guess I'll, I'll BS with you guys. This is not, that, that, that is not hot smoke that I'm, you know, pumping your tires with. That is, that is, that is the truth. Well, yeah. thank you then. I do appreciate thank that. You. We appreciate that. Um, where I was going, but after I have, I mean, I could read your resume for a half an hour here about all the stuff that you're doing. You're all over uh, television, calling games and whatnot, but set the stage for the world juniors from your perspective in the sense that, you know, once again, it's a little bit of a different tournament, right? Russia's not involved. It's 10 teams. It's over in the eastern part of Canada. It seems like the tournament's been in Canada nearly for five years running uh, after, yeah. you know, being, being all throughout uh, Edmonton and, and Red Deer and whatnot. But it's in Halifax. It's in Moncton. Uh, 10 teams, a little bit of a different sort of structure and a different look. But then again, it's the same old tournament. It starts on yeah. Boxing Day and it goes through New Year's and the round robin and then, you know, the playoff game. So just set the tournament up from your perspective. Yeah, I think it's, it's crazy. Despite all of the changes and differences the tournament has experienced the last couple of years, it's still the same roller coaster ride. It's a 10-day sprint. You know, hopefully you're playing seven games and that means you're competing for a medal. And you got two groups um, and, you know, uh, the United States falls in the, on paper, the weaker group this year, which should set them up well. Um, But as we saw in the August playing, just because you dominate group play doesn't mean anything once you get to the knockout round. I mean, you have teams who can challenge and push you and surprise you. And that's what happened to the U.S. in, in the quarterfinals. And they had a shocking early exit and they left without a medal. Yeah. For... Uh, the second time in what the last seven years, whatever it's been. Um, so I think this is a really hungry United States team because this age group has gone through some international heartbreaks. 
whether it be the U18s or the August playing, the rescheduled or postponed playing of last year's World Junior Championship, um, being knocked out earlier, losing the gold medal U18 game to, to Sweden despite dominating play. Um, so th- this team has the, that, that cliche proverbial chip on their shoulder. Um, you know, a lot of chemistry. They've grown up playing together in the national team development program. So high-end skill. But, you know, the roster construction is different. You know, as we've, I know we've done this interview in years past, and you're like, well, there's no right shot D, or there's one right shot D. Well, this year you got three, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there are years where you got a lot of size. Well, this year's team, you know, hardly has any, particularly on the back end, and you wonder how that's going to play out. It's very skilled and, you know, was filled with puck movers and, and speed. Uh, but you know, conversely, at Team Canada, I don't think anybody's shy of 6'2". Maybe one player on, on D is shy of 6'2", or 6 foot. Like, it's, it's a it's a big group. So that's what I kind of, but it all plays into um, the, the spectacle that is the world junior championship that, that you can, there's no one way, no one path to success. And it's just about, you know, who plays together and who, which team has the most players that embrace their role or, or which team has a goaltender that gets hot and steals the tournament for him. So yeah. anything can happen. And that's why we love it. But at the end of the day, this is the future of the national hockey league. And that's why, hockey fans do or should watch you know Nell, you're the voice of reason on intentional talk so bless you for dealing with Malala every day. that's uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's that's battle pay right there I, I want to ask you as a guy who calls two major sports is there more yeah. storytelling involved in baseball because of the pace of play than it would be for for calling a hockey game yeah it's not even close db i, I mean mm-hmm. i i if you ask me to pick one, which sport do I prefer to call? It's hockey. Um, now I'm blessed to be in a position where I don't have to choose right now, and I'm you know very very lucky in that. Um, but I just love the challenge of matching the at times frenetic pace of a hockey game, where you, you know you it's kind of like Top Gun. Like you, if you think you're dead calling a game, you just kind of you, you got to go and. <laughs> And and and, 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 and trying, you know what I mean? Ask, like, we're gonna have to ask Bob Miller if he gets that reference and under, if he would agree with it. That's, it's like Top no, Gun. Well, that's the thing. Like growing up where we grew up, right, in living in Southern California, when in, you know you're listening to Bob Miller and Vince Scully and Chick Hearn, right? Like that triumvirate, like that they're they're kind of in a class in a league of their own, and their style cannot be replicated. It just can't. And if you try, you're gonna sound like an idiot. Yeah. You know, right. and so that's why it's like I, I love the storytelling aspect of this business. That was my favorite thing to do when I was working, you know, in local television was to produce feature packages to, to like peel layers back on these athletes. Forget like what they do on the field, like what has led them to this point, their families, their journeys. I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But um, when you in calling a hockey game, you, you know, you have the neutral zone or you have stoppages. And oftentimes the neutral zone is what you leave for your analyst anyway, right? Sure. So yeah. um, now look, Starman is going to, he is going to force feed that velvet divorce story every single world junior championship <laughs> about formerly Czechoslovakia and what now Czech, like he is going to tell that every single time. So I may, I carve out time for that <laughs> right. during the tournament. But, you know, if we, you know, we, we want to dive into, Say you know King's prospect Kenny Connors and and his journey from USHL and his transition to NCAA 
to, to NCAA and UMass, like, you know, you got to be quick with those bullet points because you just, you, you got to go with the puck. So I, I love that challenge. Whereas baseball, you know, even with the, the pitch clock coming, it's just, it, it lends itself more to the deep dives and stepping away from the action to uh, paint some color on, on, on the game, so to speak. So, yeah, I think hockey's a greater challenge and one that I really enjoy. I wasn't planning on asking you about this, uh, but and especially because it's a, it's a hockey podcast more than anything, but you just mentioned one of the true icons in Vin Scully, and we lost him recently, and knowing your passion of, you know, for this area in Southern California and uh, the Dodgers and whatnot, just in, any, any thoughts on Vin and, and, and what it meant to you and what you thought of, it was a crushing blow when he passed away uh, a few months back, especially to those of us that, like you said, were born and raised in Southern California and grew up listening to Vin yeah. Scully. And any just sort of thoughts about that, that moment a few months well, ago? Yeah. Tons of thoughts. It's like, yeah, it, that's, I struggle with mortality anyway. And it's like, even though you, you know, it's going to happen for all of us at some point, and even though, you know, Vinera has been, or maybe especially because Vin has been around forever, you just didn't really imagine life without that voice calling Dodger baseball. Even, I mean, look, <laughs> they, they could not have found a better heir to that throne than Joe Davis. Obviously, he's the voice of baseball now. Yeah. And Joe's, Joe's just a tremendous person and ambassador for the business and, and the Dodgers and uh, gotten to know him over the, in recent years. And I, I think the world of him. Um, but just talking about Vin, what, what made him so special was that he was familiar to everybody, whether you were a diehard Dodger fan, as I know both you guys are, you know, growing up with season tickets, or you were simply a fan who heard him on KCAL 9 one time. Yeah. His voice, his cadence, his yeah. tempo, it was hypnotic, it was poetic, it was magnetic, and it made you feel like you knew him. And even if you didn't, you yeah. know, you didn't, you were lucky enough to get a press box photo or run into him on the street or anything like that. You felt like you knew Vin, and that is a quality that so few people have, especially now in today's game because he was a one-man show one-person show yeah you know now it's you know you've got two three-person booths and um and the connection is more with teams and it's uh, like uh, broadcast tandems than it is with individual broadcasters so it, he was just a, a look he's he's the goat right like that's just as, as simple as, as you can put it and um it that's a um someone who's void will not be replaced in this business he, he just stands alone yeah he was everybody's grandpa yeah totally totally and uh, and uh, just the the story like that's why every player who grew up in vin's era and had him tell some random anecdote about their life like they hold that up as like a badge of honor it's like they had vin scully call one of their games or one of their highlights i know i know Malar feels that way and uh, so, yeah, he's, he's just a special, special man. And, and you know, um, to call, call back that Sandlot quote, like, but you know, heroes here remember, legends never die. Yeah. So, and, he, and, he, and he's a legend. All right, I have chills now. Dennis, follow that one. Go for it. Okay, I will follow that one. Uh, so, <laughs> Nelly, a lot of times 
successful broadcasting teams or it's about chemistry. So how is it mm. like jumping back and forth between different analysts? If you work with Rupper or Starman and, and you have to quickly, because you've worked with them before, but how difficult that is, is to pick up different partners on a broadcast and you know, make it successful. Yeah, DB, that's a really good question. I think it's um, a lot of that for me is done off the air. So, you know, in a perfect world, I'll have worked with the analysts on a show before or gotten to know them over time. But I have been put in positions like, you know, doing the Apple TV games this past year where Katie Nolan was hired the day before our first game. Hunter and I met like five days before our first game. Right. So we were getting to know each other on the air, which is a really uncomfortable and really difficult thing to do. Now, from the hockey standpoint, I've you know, having, you know, worked with these guys for five years now. We see Rupper, Starman, Reader, uh, Dave Reed and, um, you know, Mike Johnson. I've done, done, done a few games with Johnny. Like uh, I have a relationship in on air chemistry already established with them. I know. I kind of know their rhythm. And so it's just like dance partners, right? Like, you know, some people who uh, they know one type of dance and that, but they don't know this types and, you know, vice versa for another partner. Right. So, so it's just trying to know, like, you just know where, where, which, you know, which songs that they're comfortable with. And so going back to that Starman story from, from 2019, I learned very quickly, okay, like he, he really is, dedicated to his craft he's you know and committed to this tournament and doing it justice and he wants and he has been doing this a long time and he is going to play it by his book whereas if i'm sitting next to weekly for example i know that this is just going to be like balls to the wall fun like it's just going to be non-stop laughing joking puns um and, and rupper is you know um a similar to weekly he, he'll he'll like to bring a more NHL tonight conversational feel to it. Johnny maybe closer to Starman, right? So it's like I mm-hmm. that it, it's everything though. And so for me, it's just knowing that I will never put any of my analysts in a position where you know um, they're not comfortable with the beat, so to speak. Um, yeah. And, and that, that, that adds to like really to me, the fun of it and the challenge, because, uh, the most important thing is making sure that the analyst looks and sounds, um, as best, uh, sounds their very best and they're absolutely comfortable. I, I'm fine. Like I can, I can dial it up or dial it back as necessary. Sure. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, I'll be happy as long as they're happy. So that I, I really love that aspect of the business as well. One of the things that we've come to appreciate about you is the research that you put into, uh, to, you know, to certain players prior to going to the tournament. So you mentioned Kenny Connors earlier playing for Team USA. Uh, this is a kid. We can compare notes here, I guess. Um, this is a kid who went to the USHL at a very difficult time. It was during COVID. So you had he's trying to break into the league. And then you had college kids who were coming back to the USHL because a lot of the yeah. college programs were shut down or even guys coming over from Europe because the European programs um, were shut down. When you talk to coaches, though, about Kenny Connors, it's always about him being such a straightforward, very driven yep. uh, young player. 
And uh, scouts even said during the, you know, around the time that the Kings drafted him, one of the notes that was flipped over to me was they came out of their interview with him just thinking, hey, if this kid doesn't make it to the NHL, it won't be for lack of effort or willingness to do anything. Uh, you know, he'll do anything, but basically that it takes yeah. to make it. And we're seeing that this year with him as a freshman, getting more ice time, scoring big goals. And I would say even arguably forcing his way onto the USA team. I don't think yep. that he was projected originally when the camps happened back in the summer. I mean, obviously he's at the evaluation camp, so he has a, he has a shot of making the team, but I don't think anybody had him penciled in as a, as a definite. And uh, you look at his performance in the pre-tournament and you kind of now, I think, wonder what can he do here, uh, you know, this week in the big tournament. Yeah. I, and, and I think, you know, to, to our earlier point about the a key in this tournament is certainly every team is going to have their top guys, their high-end stars who are going to be leaned on. And for Team USA, that's going to be Logan Cooley, right? The third overall pick of the Coyotes going to be Cutter Gauthier. It's going to be Jimmy Snuggerud. But who is going to embrace being an every-situation, 200-foot, third- or fourth liner? Because other teams can then focus on stopping the top lines, the coolies and the snuggaroos. So you're going to need that depth scoring. And, and that's to me where Kenny Connors fills in because yeah, is he going to play uh, top six minutes or top line minutes on this team? No, but is he built and wired in a way that is perfect for any team that he's on, whether it's his USA world junior team or LA Kings one day, you need somebody who doesn't care about anything other than winning. Yeah, And that can't, and look, and that's not to say he can't produce points. That's exactly what he's doing at UMass this year. For I mean, sure. he's, been a, he's been a driving force for them. And so he's able, though, to kind of check that ego. And instead of being like, okay, I'm a point-per-game player in, in, in college hockey in a, tough, in a tough league, I expect to do that here for Team USA. Like, no, I'm, I'll get dirty. Like, I want to be like Phil Deneau. I want to be like Andre Kopitar. I want to be like Alex Turcotte and was, was well, granted he was looked at as, as one of the top end guys when he was on the world junior team, but he's a 200 foot player. That's what Kenny Connors wants to be. And I think that's going to be pivotal for Rand Pecknell and the staff and his team. If they want to, you know, get to the metal rounds or sorry, get to the metal stand. How many adjectives do you have ready for Connor Bedard's play? Nelly? Oh God. I mean, honestly, like, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm such a sarcastic schmuck sometimes that (laughs) like, I I may like go out of my way to like, I don't know. I don't, we'll see. We won't see Canada until uh, the metal rounds at the earliest for, for our Mm -hmm. coverage anyway. So I've been like debating and Starman will probably convince me to not be an asshole, but like, uh, I was like, I I was joking around. I was like, maybe I'll just pretend like, like, I don't know who he is. Because, because, because at this point, everybody in the hockey world knows who Connor Bedard is. You got teams who are actively trying to stink for a better chance to get him. Um, Hold on. Are you calling out the ducks? Is that what you're talking about right now? Or, or is this for your Blackhawks? I would never, never slander a professional national hockey league organization like that publicly, privately. We'll talk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's going to work out perfect though, coming out of the world juniors last year, Bedard and McTavish, they made magic together for team Canada. If you can get those two together in Anaheim, 
I mean, Anaheim is already a team that's on the rise. I keep trying to tell fans in Southern California this. Anaheim yeah. is loaded, and people don't rec- necessarily see it because at the NHL level they stink so bad right now. But Anaheim is <laughs> absolutely loaded. And if you add Bedard to that mix, oh, my gosh, just just buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. I know. I, I know. It's a bumpy ride right now. But I hope you hope fans, you hope fans, you can't expect sports fans to see the bigger picture. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I, I think they... I feel bad for John Gibson. I feel like he's just been just been having to wear it for like the last four years now. And uh, where I know we have a lot of analysts like, you know, we've seen Rupper have said like, if you trade him, I think you can win a Vezna on a good hockey team, but mm-hmm. he's been on a bad hockey um, But they don't have the goaltending depth in their system where they can afford to move them. But then again, it's like, if you're oh, trying I don't know to if get, I would but, agree with that one. I, 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 I think they do have the goaltending depth with Stolarz and Dostal. I think they do. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, but that was coming into the season, there were questions like, is Dostal ready? Like, yeah, that's a subjective. subjective Ready for what? I think they've won three games all year. What what does he need to be ready for? Mayor, I'm I'm with you. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, from the organization standpoint, like, they should have moved Gibson two years ago. For sure. Absolutely. It's, the, it's anyway. the contract. It has to be. But we're, yeah. we digress. Back to World Juniors. We did. Back to World Juniors. So, yeah, I thought about, like, oh, like maybe I'll just pretend I don't know. Uh, oh, who's this uh, be, uh, Connor Better kid? You know, like, <laughs> you know, but, but, like, I think, I think I'll probably be just, like, a bully myself mentally and be like, okay, be a pro. Like, it's the World Junior Championships. It's not that, you know, Starman sitting next to you. He might punch you in the face. Like, all, <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably play it straight. Oh yeah. I mean, look, what else can you say? Like he's, you know, I, I honestly though, I think to me, like Fantilli is someone that I'll try and highlight a little bit more sure. because, yep. um, you know, he's, he's highly regarded as well. And you can, you know, there are some evaluators who, who may like Fantilli more than Bedard, which, you know, seems nuts, but like, that's how highly he's thought of, but he sort of gets lost in the Bedard noise. who has been hyped for, you know, years now. Uh, moving on th- uh, through the Kings prospects, you get over to Team Finland, and Otto Salin is somebody who, I mean, look, Finland is not bringing <clears throat> a team that's as loaded as uh, they have in the past. I mean, I think that's a, a fair statement to make, but uh, have, in your yeah. in your uh, research, have you gone deep enough on Otto yet, or uh, should, should I give you a couple of tidbits here? No, I, I'm, I'm going to text you anyway, so we could just I'd be happy to get it out of the way now. Right, I would so, love that. So he's he's a very outspoken kid. That's the first thing that you should know. But I'm going to give you a hot tip here. This is coming from Mama Salim. This is coming from the uh, the parental unit from the mother. She describes him as a, a nature boy or a jungle boy. He lives in sort of that carpe diem uh, sort of environment. The kid just has absolutely no worries. He is as carefree as they come. So there's some stuff from the mom that you can work into the broadcast. I absolutely love that. And I'm a big, I'm a big mom guy too. (laughs) So like happy to, happy to pump, pump her tires too. That's great. Well, there you go. Now, On Finland, again, uh, that's the only L.A. Kings uh, prospect. This is such a different tournament from a Kings perspective because usually, yeah. usually, you know, eight, nine, ten prospects and there's somebody represented on every team. But you have Finland. You have USA with Kenny Connors, who we talked about. And then we can get over to Team Canada, who, as you mentioned, Canada and the U.S. would only hook up in the medal rounds. They are in different pool pool play. Uh, those games 
Canada, that is, those games will be featured on the NHL network as well, just not called by yep. you. You'll be exclusively on the uh, the USA broadcasts in the opening round. Well, actually, through the whole tournament, not just the opening okay. round. Um, mm-hmm. But if you get to Team Canada at some point, you would have Brant Clark over on the uh, the Canadian side. There's a lot to talk about. It just depends which storyline you want to go with, because here's a kid who won gold uh, on the U18s with uh, Canada during the pandemic. By the way, Mike Stuthers can never reference him enough. Coach Mike Stuthers, who was uh, with the Ontario Reign uh, for a long time and helped develop a lot of the Kings prospects. He was an assistant on that Team Canada team. But then Canada opted not to even invite Clark, which I'm sure you know, we talked about this last year, uh, to, to camp, which was like, it sent shockwaves throughout the OHL. You have the most offensive-minded defenseman and arguably the best defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League, not even invited to the camp to play in the tournament that was to happen last December. Then he went to camp over the summer, which was really the evaluation camp for this tournament. So he was a yep. backup player for the, the, the what do you, uh, the replayed tournament? I don't know what you call it. A uh, rescheduled uh, tournament? Yeah, yep. Yeah, let's go with, honestly, yeah, let's go with that, rescheduled by the way, that tournament sucked. I just I have to go on record. As much as I love the World Juniors, and, and, no, here's the thing. Wow, that's it wasn't a strong the, statement coming well, from the mayor. Oh, so, so let me qualify it and explain it. It's blasphemous. Now. It, 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 go ahead, I, I know. So let me qualify it. The play on the ice was fantastic. It, it was it was World Juniors as it always is. It's best on best. It's the absolute best time of the year for me. Okay. But the tournament, the vibe, one of the great things about going to international games, whether it's the Olympics, whether it's the World Cup, whether it's uh, the World Juniors, whatever it is, okay? And I've done it all. It's amazing to be in the buildings and to see the passion of the fans representing their countries and the buildings sold out and the music and everybody's going crazy. And you didn't have any of that. You had 12 people in the stands and you're watching some of the greatest athletes in the world Right. At, and for their age group. OK, you're watching the, the best of the best, the future of the NHL. Connor Bedard's out there, like you said, skating around and doing his thing. And Team USA and Finland and Sweden, all these wonderful players. There's 12 people in the crowd like you get a whole section to yourself. There's like one person in the press box. It's horrible. It's not. It's like going to a concert, but it's OK. Here's the thing. When you go to see a band and you discover a band. And you're, you're one of like 12 people in the club and you're like, holy shit, this band is going to be huge. They're awesome. You feel really like you get a good vibe. Like it's, oh, it's cool. I discovered that band. It's not the same yeah. thing when you go see, I don't pick a band. I don't care. When you go see the killers in a club and there's 12 people and they're already big and you're like, why am I the only person here? This is weird. This is creepy. And that's what it felt like. It was okay. Okay. Weird. Now I know why. I know why. I'll, I'll cut in here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And this yeah, goes along the yeah, the weather theme of this this podcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, here's the thing. It's nice in Edmonton one month a year, August. Is it? No one wants to be inside in Edmonton in August. That's why then nobody showed up. Because they had the one opportunity to be out in the sun, and that happened to coincide with the World Juniors. Because DB, then don't ever tell me again that Edmonton is a hockey town. Because if you're a hockey town, okay, and, and, you're, and you bleed hockey – the freaking world juniors show up in your hometown. It's not like it's not like the circus. It doesn't come every year. They need when, vitamin D, man. Uh, no, on. what one, they need is they need world the juniors year. and they need to stop they being a bunch of posers and claiming they're a hockey town. They're oh, not a hockey vitamin, town. Oh boy. They need vitamin D. That's amazing. They're not this it, it didn't they're help. friends along the way every day, every time. Hello, Edmonton. Yeah. I mean, you can quote me on this. I, Edmonton sucks. I don't like it. I have no plans on going back. I've I've been on the record. This is not breaking news. Hey, uh, having been there and called a game there, due respect to Jack Michaels, I, I, I am with you oh, there. I love Jack. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I think if 
I understand why the tournament's in Canada every other year. It's the crown jewel for TSN. Understood. Got it. But let's just go to Van and Vic every single year. Fine. You want to mix in Toronto, Nova Scotia. Like, Nova Scotia and, and Moncton, like, they, the tickets are, the barns should be jumping. Yes. Because they sold oh, yeah. damn quick. I, yeah. I, I, just give me places with small barns, intimate atmospheres, because that really, that's what it should be about. It should be like a grassroots type deal. Like, I, yeah, gold medal game, you want to put them in an NHL building, I, I'm, I won't fight you on it. But, like, that's, I, I will forever hold Victoria near dear to my heart because of that small building and the atmospheres that it that tournament provided. It's, yeah, that's what makes it special. And, yeah, nothing super special about Edmonton other than Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't know how we got sidetracked. Sorry for my rant there. Uh, we were back to no, Team Canada. Our, that's what. I, see, that's why I love this annual chat though, because it's not just World Juniors. Like we go yes. so far off the rails so consistently. It's great. <laughs> I'll let that's the theme of the, the show. Rails. Kings of the podcast. We go so far off the rails. Yes. That's that's the that's yeah. our subheadline. Uh, yes. Team Canada. Do you have any Brant Clark uh, notes or nuggets that you uh, you want to discuss before we wrap this thing up? No, he's Canadian. I don't care. Yes, I'm you. He, is, he, is, he is Canadian. <laughs> uh, let me tell you this. Brant Clark is one of my favorite people to talk to right now because the kid, you talk about players that have a motor. The kid has a mouth that never stops. He is high energy. He's like Drew Doughty on steroids, okay? The kid can talk wow. a mile a minute with a level of passion and enthusiasm. Um, it, it might it might actually wear on some people. Maybe that's teammates, coaches. I don't know. It doesn't wear on somebody like me. I feed off of that type of energy. So um, I love talking yeah. to Brent Clark. He's a great kid, and uh, he has a you know a bright bright future in the National Hockey League. He's worn a lot of sweaters over the last couple of years as he's bounced around from team to team. <laughs> Uh, I'll send you the clip because this is my favorite sort of recent Brant Clark story. So the NHL has a rookie tournament uh, called the NHL Rookie Faceoff that takes place right before main training camp opens up. So in September, and it's rotated through um, kind of the Pacific Division slash central if you want to include Arizona but it's it's rotated it, it started in Vegas a couple of years ago it's been in it's been in Anaheim it's been in Arizona it's been in San Jose next year the Kings are hosting which is fantastic um so at this year's tournament up in San Jose uh the, the game goes to a shootout and um the, the shootout rules were not clearly defined you know how like in sort of like every tournament or or every league they all seem to have their own sort of different uh, overtime or shootout rules. So the it wasn't made clear to everybody exactly what was happening in the shootout. So Clark, uh, he has, you know, it's his turn to go. And he thinks that if he scores, he's going to end the game and it's going to be spectacular. So he goes down the ice. He shoots the goal or shoots the puck. It goes in the net. He scores the goal. And the, the door, uh, you know, the side door in the corner there that goes to the locker room is right there. So he, he scores the goal, goes right to the door, opens the door, walks off. He's, he's now walking to the locker room as he gets 10 feet down the hallway. He, he realizes that nobody's following him. So he t- nobody's left the bench. So he turns around and he has to sort of come back on the ice and, you know, mass confusion. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, it was, it was fantastic. It was, and now everybody's wondering like, did he win the game? Is the game over? No one really knew. So it was, uh, it was great. And uh, it couldn't have happened to anybody except Brant Clark. It just, that's the kind no, of kid that great, he is. Yeah. That's a great Sally. And he does sound like, yeah, I I'm, I gravitate to those type of kids too. Like you know, I'm thinking of all the 
interactions I've had with Team USA over the years and, and players like, you know, Shane Pinto, like who are just like, they're just wired to have fun yes. and they, they don't take things them things or themselves too seriously. Like they're playing a kid's game. Yes. Uh, and you know, Artie was the same way. Kaliev, like he, he couldn't understand what the hell he was saying, but he was fun. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but, Come on. I can understand no, Artie. What do you mean? You can't no, understand no, no, him. That was, that's, that's that's that was the, 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 the scouting report from his teammates. So like, we like, who's your favorite teammate? Like who's the most fun teammate? They're like Arthur, like, He's, he's constantly talking. We we only understand half of it, but we okay. love them. Like, okay, that part's true. That, that's what, yeah, yeah, that that's what you know. They, 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 those are the players that you you remember honestly doing the tournament. You know more so than maybe the the big stars who are reserved because you know they've been dealing with media since they were you know small kids, and so they're just a little bit more reserved or they're you know death you know more serious about their craft like. And, and there's nothing wrong with those kids. Like I'm not hating on that, but no. like you just you, you love the you love the ones who are willing to kind of let you in. No, and, I, that's uh, exactly so. what it is. That's ex- yeah. That's exactly the kids. The kids, they're polished. They're agents, like you said. They just they they have media training. They're savvy. Yeah. They know what to say, what not to say, but they spit a lot of cliches and that type of stuff. And with a kid like well Artie as well, you're right. That's that's a good comparison. And and for a kid like Clarky though, uh, you just you don't. You don't get that. He's just he's just living life, having a great time, yeah. having a lot of fun. And he's very open and transparent, too. And he, uh, he's receptive to feedback. And if he makes a mistake, he's he's honest about it. Um, just he's, he's a lot of fun. So we had the antithesis of that. We had uh, Mikey Anderson on the program last week. Speaking of World Juniors, I think Mikey woke up as like at around a five or six year old uh, kid and he was already a grown man. He is the most yeah. mature like teenager that I've ever met in my entire life. And now at the ripe age of, I think 23, 24, whatever he is these days. Um, yeah. he's, he still is like a, a, a 20 year pro. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why it, it should shock you or listeners you know, to hear that Dave Starman loves Mikey Anderson. And that might be his favorite player. Right. Cause that's the stars wired that way. <laughs> yes. I'm wired the other way. I like Artie Party, okay, and and no, Mike Mike he's great too. He's a sweetheart. He's a you know I agree. Oh, Mike he's, he's like great. A, he's fantastic. He's 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 he's, a, he's captain serious though, right? He's he's a captain all the time. Yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah he woke up and he had to see Brandon on his chest. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that yep. was his first Christmas gift. Was the the C for his jersey? <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, yeah, yellow. Yellowstone brand C. Boom. <laughs> yes, probably. You're right. <laughs> he doesn't need a tattoo. He's been branded. Uh, real quickly, no. before we let you run, thank you for your time. It's been, again, an extended interview. We could do three hours with you easily. Uh, can't wait to see you again. Can't wait to have you pick up a check. It'll be the first time, uh, according to Starman. <laughs> uh, but we can't let you leave, though, uh, without asking about fatherhood and just uh, what it's been like here. You referenced ah. a very specific time frame. So what have the last uh, 17 months been like for you? Is the the best shit show ever. Um, <laughs> That's Jeremy, parenting right there. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Like he's um, it, so his name's Kai. He's like he's such a happy kid, and uh, it was a really it was a really tough year for me professionally. Like a lot of challenges, um, a lot of uh, like mistakes, learning experiences. We'll we'll call them, and just coming home every week to somebody who just wants to run up and, and, and hug you and doesn't care. Like he's, 
he saved he and my wife saved me this year. Uh, that's that's as plainly as I can put it. So he's he's a good kid, um, and yeah, it's happening really fast. So I'm just trying to just trying to enjoy the ride. Just trying to enjoy the ride. He's he's, he's a hockey fan though. Whenever we put hockey on the television, he'll sit there with me and he'll watch. So um, you know, we'll 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 see how soon we become hockey parents, uh, which is uh, which makes parenting dials up the difficulty even more. Yes. So start saving your money now, uh, in case in case nobody's told you it's a very expensive sport. So save up. Hundred percent. I'm gonna take my old inline skate and just put a blade <laughs> on it, and you know, just just glue a blade on it, and hope it, hope it works, or hope Pro Beach Hockey comes back, and maybe we'll go that route. I don't know. <laughs> Jim Fox and Luke Robitaille might be funding that venture right now. Uh, that would be that would probably be their dream. <laughs> I, it'd be my dream to call those games. Okay. You kidding me? Damn. You don't have time. Your schedule's full. What are you talking about? I don't. You're right. I, do, I barely have time to eat. Uh, <laughs> I hope your wife is I not listening to, to this. She's going to she's gonna choke you out for uh, even even suggesting having another job among your long list of uh, things that you already are responsible for. Yeah, here in Seth Jarvis, a couple, last, or I guess a couple weeks now, for the Carolina Hurricanes talk about his love for naps. And I was like, Oh, I just, I was taking naps. I'll take it two. I'll take it at seven. I, you know, hockey players love their naps. Every yeah, parent has want, wanted to punch Seth Jarvis to the face. <laughs> just like, kid, you don't know. You don't know what I, I would, I would murder for a nap. That's right. Yeah, you, I would pay millions of dollars for 30 <laughs> minutes of downtime. That's all I need. Just 30 minutes. Yeah, But no, I, I appreciate you asking. He's, uh, he, he's awesome. So, um, uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been All right. Great. Well, he he has outgrown the uh, mayor's manor onesie, so we're gonna have to come up with the kings of the podcast yeah. toddler line, and uh, we'll see if we can get you out a new shirt. Yeah, hey, I know he, he he grew out real quick. He's kind of a he's kind of he's at like the ninety seventh, ninety eighth percentile height, so he just grows out of things really really quick. So maybe maybe we'll just go like a a toque or a beanie. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It is melon head. All right, Nelly, it's been fantastic. Enjoy the tournament. Uh, we will enjoy the tournament. I'm not going this year, so uh, we'll enjoy it from afar, but uh, look forward to connecting. And hopefully you get uh, an extended run of games to call here. Wink, wink, hint, hint at uh, how this tournament plays out. I would love that. Mayor DB, I, I, I love, love doing this with you guys anytime. Um, and I promise, I promise the check will be picked up by me, me alone next time we're finally together and able to hang out in person. But uh, we'll be texting in the tourney, that's for sure. Sounds like a deal. Big things ahead. Steven Nelson, check him out on Twitter. You can hear him all throughout the World Junior Tournament calling games for Team USA. And if you're a baseball guy, you can catch him over on NH ML. I can get it right. MLB uh, <laughs> Network as well. We'll talk soon, Nelly. Have a good one. You too, fellas. Thanks. We'll be back right after the break. Back to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, welcome back, third period. Thanks again to Stephen Nelson for yeah. joining us. Uh, he's 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 omnipresent these days, Dennis. You can't he get is. away from him, even if you want to. He's he's <laughs> just he's calling games for everybody. He's on the NHL Network. He's on the MLB Network. He's doing World Juniors. I think he's. Uh, we've been saying this for a couple of years, and I think it's more true now than ever before. He's on the brink of blowing up, DB. He, yeah, he's, he is. He's going to yeah. become a household name pretty soon. People are about to really know uh, the name Stephen Nelson. He just calls a fantastic game. And uh, he's a great guy. Hopefully you guys really enjoyed that interview. Yeah, great broadcaster, better guy, without question. Just a really, really good guy, a good friend to uh, the kings of the podcast and both me and you. 
So, uh, DB, let's uh, let's make a transition here. We'll move from the World Juniors. That was an extended conversation that we had there in the second period. And uh, again, we hope you mm. we hope that all the listeners enjoyed it. Um, getting back to the NHL and the LA Kings, they have three games coming up this week, uh, coming up out of the holiday break. So Tuesday, when probably most of you will be listening to this, we'll release it Monday night. But uh, Tuesday evening, the Kings will host the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm-hmm. And Dennis, you said in the first intermission. The Kings are as good as the Calgary Flames. They can hang with them. What's your assessment of this team right now going up against the Vegas Golden Knights who are a little bit banged up, a little bit depleted, but still this Kings-Golden Knights rivalry, it, it it's almost like it is with the Ducks. It's almost like yeah, the records don't is. matter. These two teams, they rise to the occasion when they play each other. And the fans travel well from Vegas. There's a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans in the building um, when they play. So, uh, look. They should have got at least one point out of opening night, if not for one bad pass and one great play by Mark Stone. But you see, that that's the guy. And I know Jack Eichel, and people know what I feel about Jack Eichel. I think he's a great player. But Mark Stone makes this team go, without mm-hmm. question. Late in that game the other night, the, the last game they won, and he found a way to win, got the good shootout winner, and he's a he's an emotional leader. You know, Eichel's a cool, collected guy, but Mark Stone wears his heart on his sleeve, a great player who's leading this team, despite all the injuries. And you're right, they're banged up. Can they hang with them? If they get saves, yeah, they'll hang with them. It's as simple as that. And that's what Phoenix Copley's been. And look, and we haven't talked about this, but Quick did fine in, in Arizona, right? So he needed that. John, he needed that. I know he didn't win the game. Probably pissed off that he didn't win the shootout because he only gave up one. Bugstap made a beautiful fake and faked them out and got the goal. But they, there's no reason why they can't play with him. Even when Vegas is at full strength, like when you go down the middle with Kopitar and 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 Deneau and and, you know, Blake Lazat, we'd never really talk about much. Guy's on track for like 15, 16 goals. Like now he's the third line center. And whatever happens with QB this year, I don't know if he's playing up here. What's going on? But I'll give you an update yeah. on Bally's tomorrow night, DB. Stay tuned. Okay. Oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Even better. <laughs> um, but down the middle of strength, and John, you know, look, I, I think they need still need to trade for a left-handed defenseman without question. But they're they're playing better, John. You know, there's more structure to the game. They're not making the stupid mistakes. They're not bl- blowing the zone when there's a 50-50 puck or where they're not sure about possession, they're being more careful with respect to their offensive, you know, their offensive forays into the, out of the zone, which is important. So th- there's been more structure and they've gotten saved. So can they play with this team? Yeah. I'd like to see a, a playoff, another playoff round against this team. Can they compete with, with the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah. Do I think that Vegas will win the division? I do, but it's not a lock. Is, is Logan Thompson going to be the guy all season? I don't know. He's never played at this level for this long. So we'll see. So it should be a competitive game against that team. But again, the one thing they got to do, John, they got to stay out of the penalty box. Like this team, like he should be, Todd Father should be banging their their heads against the wall saying, like, you can't take penalties. You can't take these stick fouls in the neutral zone. Like, yeah, for a scoring chance, I get it. I understand that you got to make those plays. But if they can stay out of the box and limit power plays, they can. They can play with any team in the in the West, to be honest. Now, the, the other game will be more challenging. But, yeah, I, I think that with respect to Vegas, that's how I look at this game. It's a toss-up. So let me give you a reaction to a few of those things. I, yeah. Another thing that they need to do and that McClellan really needs to be in charge of is getting them to show up on time. Because we talked uh, earlier about, you know, the mental approach in that final mm-hmm. game heading into a holiday break. This mm-hmm. is a game where they need to be ready to go with the drop of the puck. They can't yeah. just saunter no way, their way through the first 10 no minutes excuse. of the period, uh, opening period, because Vegas can be up 3 nothing before they know it, and the yeah. LA Kings, they don't 
play as well when they're playing from a deficit like that. Now, mm-hmm. that being said, they have shown a lot of fight over the last couple of weeks when they've been down, but you don't yes. want to do that in the first game back. So no. get your head screwed on straight, set your alarm clock, no be excuse. ready for the drop right. of the puck, be ready to go. And if you can come out and get an early goal, especially in that first five minutes or so of the opening period, that mm-hmm. really sets the tone for the LA Kings. And then here's another uh, question that I have for you. You mentioned quick. Uh, and how important it was. And by the way, kudos to you. You called it on the last program, so I'll give you your victory okay. lap. You said that they were going to go Copley again in Calgary, and then Quickie was going to play against Arizona. So props to you. Uh, and I didn't get a I didn't get a tip on that from Dave Jackson. By the way, I just I got a tip from DB on that one. But um, here's my concern: okay. When is Jonathan Quick going to get another game, Dennis? And I'm being serious because here I want to lay out the schedule for you. Yeah. Go ahead. So. They don't have another back-to-back game until almost late January. They -hmm. play the 27th, the 29th, and the 31st. In other words, they play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week, and we'll get to the other two games in a minute. So Vegas, day off. There is a travel day in there. They play at Colorado, and then on December 31st, they're back home Mm -hmm. for an afternoon game against Philadelphia. And then just look at the days, 3, 5, 7, 9, 11, and 14. Mm -hmm. You're talking Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday for the early part of January. And then they they have – Dallas coming in on the 19th. Yeah. Then you have the game on Saturday at Nashville, Sunday at Chicago. So that's the that's going to be a tough one because there's going to be three games in four nights and actually four games in six nights during that particular period as mm-hmm. they go Dallas, Nashville, yeah. Chicago, and then at Philly. And the uh, the Dallas game is at home. Then you have a quick okay. travel, and then you play back-to-back uh, Saturday and Sunday, Nashville and Chicago. So are you yeah. telling me that Jonathan Quick's not going to get another game until Nashville or Chicago? No, he'll play against Philly. Because of he'll play against Philly. Play against why would Philly. that be? Because of the travel? No, because they're not. I'm talking way. about the travel coming back from Colorado. Yeah, no, because the level of competition, like the Vegas and Colorado games will be harder. I would give Jonathan another shot to win against a lesser team like Philadelphia, which a game they should win. So... Oh. That, that's what I would look at. And then if he wins that game, then the, the following week, I, I think that you're going to get, of every three games, John, I, I think I don't think you're going to ride the guy like a horse for the last 10 or 15 games. I think he'll get two out of three. I think that's what Copley will get right now unless his play starts to diminish. But I think like Dallas and Boston and Vegas, maybe Copley gets Dallas and Boston and you give quick Vegas in, uh, on the road. Uh, that, that's what I think. It's going to be two thirds, one third for right now. So that's what I would. That's the game I would think he would shoot for with respect to playing quick. Make sure that tomorrow night post game. Make sure that's your first question for Todd McClellan. Oh yeah, the he loves those questions. Yeah, because I I love it when when you ask him or when anybody asks him about the goaltending. So um, that's fantastic. Yeah, you when can also Cop- had one of those big games. I like. I was going to say, hey, who's the starter of the next game? But I just yeah. He, he, <laughs> he and he's like, why do you need to know? Um, I love who's the goal. I'm like, rant. because we're the media. That's why we need to know. We're not like random fans sitting. In Come on, Todd. Come on. That's what happened. We so. need to know. So we have stuff to write about stuff to yeah, talk about. You. That's Come on, Todd. Process. You've been around. Oh, you've been around long enough. Yeah. You know why we That's need to know. That's your first rodeo, Todd. Let's go. Come on. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic stuff. Uh, so what do you Arthur, think, John? John, what do you think about? About when he'll play? Ro- about the goalie rotation. Yeah. You know, here's what I think. I think that the other factor that's lurking in the background is Peterson. Uh, because, okay. you know, if if Cal plays well over, let's say, the next five you know games or whatever, how much longer do you want him playing there? And, you know, there's an argument to be made. Well, you can leave him there as long as you want, as long as Copley right. is playing well enough and you're getting goaltending all of a sudden. Why would you want to mess with it? 
Well, why would you want to mess with it? Because, and people can't see the the, the arc that I'm making with my finger, but you can. <laughs> there be, it's like a law of diminishing returns, right? So Cal's confidence is going to, it's on the rise. And it's yeah. going to peak at some point. And then when he's still there because you left him yeah, there, right. then it starts to diminish and it goes the other way. So there, right. there's a sweet spot to recalling that player mm -hmm. uh, from Ontario. That's what I'm saying. I don't know when that sweet spot is, but I know that it's coming sooner rather than later. It's not going to be 60 days from now. So mm -hmm. um, I, I could buy your argument about two out of every three. However, I don't think McClellan has played this the way that anybody would have expected him to play it prior to Christmas. Now, maybe maybe he's going to go to something that's a little more traditional, a little more straightforward, a little more logical, as you were presenting it there, where maybe before he was like, I'm just going to rest quick as long as I possibly can, right. and I'm going to just ride Copley as long as I possibly can, and if mm -hmm. he starts five sure. or six games in a row, that's fine, and then maybe right. now with the holiday break, maybe now it's a reset. What I'm saying is, as much as I want to agree with you, there's this part of me nagging in the back of my brain that goes, Todd's just going to go full Todd, and he's going to start copley like the next six games in a row and that's just the way it's going to be and i well i you know. don't think what's going to happen is it's not a 50 50 split right you know no, no 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 for the last two seasons it's been until peterson went south it was a 50 50 split it, it's not going to be the case right now because there's still the discrepancy between the way the two goaltenders are playing right now yeah, the Philly game does make sense, though, because the team's coming back from it, it's kind of a quick turnaround. It's not a two days yeah. later because you're you're mm -hmm. playing on Thursday night. Then you're flying back. You're getting in super late. And then you have Friday off and then it's a day game. Friday off, and right. the, the yeah. Kings haven't been historically the best in day games, period. Although for some reason, the coaches of the L.A. Kings deny that, Dennis. The stats can be given to them <laughs> and they still deny that the team is not uh, not a problem on day games. Although it hasn't been as much of a problem, let's say, recently as it was maybe, you know, Way four or five years yeah. ago. It oh, was, yeah. It was really bad, Dennis. It was an automatic L, John, is what it was. <laughs> you know, the other reason that I would have expected Quick to start, just back to that Calgary and Phoenix thing, is there's a weird anomaly. I don't even know if you're aware of this. If I remember, if I understand the numbers correctly, Quickie had not started a game in a reverse retro jersey. I believe Peterson had started mm. all of the retro reverse retro games. Um, okay. So... With that game in Arizona, I mean, Quick was probably yeah. even surprised. Uh, he probably didn't even know that he had purple and gold gear. So he was like, oh, wait, what right. do you mean you I'm starting? Where's, for it, for sure. where's my, where, yeah, where's my mask? What's going on here? <laughs> Have sure. we spent enough time talking about Jonathan Quick's mask this year, Dennis? Because uh, I, I'm just, I, man, I have, so, I have to tell you, DB, it's, uh, it's not mayor approved. Let's just put it's it not that mayor way. approved. OK, right. no, I don't. He has like nine different masks, first of all, which yeah, is strange because Quickie's worn like one mask or what feels like one mask for 10 years. Um, right. I don't like the all white one that looks like it needs like a, it's like a coloring book. I don't I don't I don't like that one. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. The, the snow version. What is it? It okay, looks like I, it looks I, like I somebody needs to get out some crayons and like color it in. <laughs> Maybe that's what they did. Maybe he didn't even have a reverse retro mask. Maybe that he, was gra he grabbed the white minute. one and, and he colored it in at the hotel or something. Yeah, let's go. Exactly. I don't know. Um, you know, Cal Peterson, while uh, anybody can say the numbers weren't there this DB uh, this this year, DB, and he needs to yeah. uh, improve his game, uh, which I think we can all agree with. Nobody can dispute the fact that he had the better looking masks over the last couple oh, of yeah, years. No, Cal, that's, that's Cal's had some, there. some real beauties. So uh, exactly. hopefully he gets back up. And hey, kudos also to uh, Copley for getting the uh, the candy canes on top of the purple yeah, and gold. Absolutely. Okay, so you have the Vegas game. Then you go to Colorado. It, I, I guess I'm trying to um, summon the ghost of the of the Boston game 
and say okay. the Kings shouldn't be scared going into Colorado. I know that it's you know, defending Stanley Cup champions and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but they shouldn't go in overwhelmed. They should just right. be thinking about the Bruins and think about, you know, one of the other better teams in the league and say, hey, we have the mix of players to do this. We can do this this year. They don't have the offense that Colorado has, but mm -hmm. uh, the abs are beatable right now still, Dennis. They are, and about the offense and not being, you know, overwhelmed. It's a different team in Colorado. They're a really good defensive team. They don't give up much. That If you play games over-unders, John, play the under on that game because Colorado, John, they're 31st in five-on-five -five scoring. The only team to score less than, than, five, than them five-on-five, -five, Anaheim. That's a hell so of a it's, stat it's, right there, Dennis. They're 31st five-on-five? Yeah. Five? 31st in five-on-five scoring. Wow. Into their last game. So, but they're winning games 2-1. Like, Georgiev, I think, was the first or second star this year, uh, this week. Won a shootout against the Islanders. Got a, sh a shutout there. Um, they've been really good defensively. So, th that's going to be a grinding game. And they're going to be playing at altitude. But you're right. They, this team is far from being at full strength, Colorado. So this game is is winnable. Like if you play structure, if you get some breaks, if you get the goaltending that you need, they should be in this game because a lot of teams are in games against Colorado. Colorado's finding ways to win, but they're not blowing teams out by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's another reason why the Tuesday game against Vegas is important. You want you want to win as you head to Colorado with a little bit of right. confidence, a little bit of swagger. Yep. Otherwise, you feel like you're getting hit with that one-two punch, right? You're getting like Vegas then, from one side, and then you're game. getting Colorado from the other side. Yep. And especially you can look past the Colorado game if you look to the Philly game, Philly to your game, point from right. earlier, that it's the quote-unquote lesser competition. And you could think, okay, we'll just you know take this one, hurry up and get our 60 minutes out, mm -hmm. get back on the plane, get home, and then yep. uh, you know we can beat up on a Philadelphia Flyers team. But hey, that's why they play the games, Dennis, because you go Amen. back to the Arizona game, like we talked about earlier, on paper, that looks like a game the Kings should win. So right. you don't always win the games that you're supposed to win on paper, and that's why I think that you have to go into Colorado with the mindset of, hey, we're going to try to get two points out of this game. Yeah, absolutely. This is not the Colorado Avalanche that won the Stanley Cup, without question. So then the Flyers come. So then Tortorella comes. What do you make of this club right now? Because obviously Torch is just doing whatever the hell he wants, Dennis. He's he's benching players. He's he's gone Kevin full Hayes, Torch. Seven yeah. million dollars a year, long term deals. How do you do uh, that? Why not just drop him to the third line like Todd did with Fiala? I mean, do you really need to bench the guy? I guess when you have when you have a four year contract at, at four million plus that the coach has, then you can do that. You have that luxury. Uh, they'll play hard. Um, they're getting really good goaltending from Carter Hart. So if they get goalie in that game, but. It's a game that should win. There's just not a lot of talent on that team. They've been banged up with injuries as well. It's just a team that uh, it's going to take a long while. It, there's not a lot of talent on that team. And John's going to put in structure. Guys are going to commit. And for guys that don't commit, don't want to block shots, you wind up like Kevin Hayes. You wind up in the press box for a game. So not surprised it's happening. Uh, it depends how it's going to wear on veterans on this team. Are they going to react well to his style of coaching? I don't know. The team isn't successful. I don't think they would be successful. So this is a team that if the Kings do their thing and grind it out and play good structure, they should win the game relatively easy. And the Kings general manager and scouts were likely paying close attention when the Kings played the Columbus Blue Jackets and doing some pre-trade deadline uh, advanced scouting. They likely will be doing some advanced scouting versus the Flyers as well. Uh, Dennis, to wrap up the show today, I'm gonna, I don't want to say I'm putting a challenge to you. I'm putting a question to you. That okay. I will allow you to marinate on for the next couple of days, because as sure. at least as things are scheduled right now, uh, we're going to record another podcast later in the week here that will complete the holiday trifecta or holiday hat yes. trick. I think we called it a little while back. Um, so as that show comes up, it'll come up before New Year's Eve. That's Correct. the way that we currently have the show scheduled. scheduled. 
Mm-hmm. So for New Year's Eve, I, uh, I want you to think about what we, we took the idea, by the way, listeners, if you remember back, we said we we're going to do the the uh, gifts per player. We're holding that back until the third show. So we'll look at it like instead of gifts that we were giving them for Christmas or New Year's or Hanukkah, we're giving them these gifts as they head into 2023. Right. Okay? New Year's so, gifts. Dennis, during that same show, that will be coming right before New Year's Eve. And you have an incredible opportunity on December 31st. You can do a hockey doubleheader. The Kings no, are playing no, at one o'clock. No, no, I said no, I was going to give you time to think no, about it. No, I already thought about it. You haven't even spent enough time thinking about it. Good, good. The Break Kings are playing at one o'clock in downtown, mm-hmm. playing the Flyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, it's casino night. The Ontario mm-hmm. Reign are hosting uh, on New Year's Eve. They're playing as well. So you can do mm-hmm. a SoCal hockey yeah. doubleheader. Think about it, Dennis. Just think about right. it. You can reveal your answer on the next episode. Well, I'll just give you a little tip. So in, in typical, it says it's casino night, right? You know, so casino, yeah. like, it's, I'm going to be channeling my, my inner James Bond because I am going to be wearing a tux on, on New Year's Eve. But it's for the game? For some, no, no. Oh, not, after. For some bougie party after the game. So we're going got it. the PGA's got, so no, John, there's okay. no chance. There's right, really, so, so you, you have, want me to drive to Ontario on New Year's Eve? Like with all the knuckleheads out there. Yeah, yeah you could. I mean, you know, but you have you have bougie plans. That's fine. Bougie all right, plans. I'll pick. I'll have to pick a different you game. You know, but you give up. You you make a good point, Joe John, about me wearing the tux to um to to the Kings game. I should ruminate on that, John. Okay, you do so, that. See, you see, do that. If I show up in a tux, John. That's the all-timer right there. Okay. Right. That's the ultimate mic drop. So thanks thanks for that tip. So. You're, you're very welcome. There you go. That's it. Uh, DB, I'll see you tomorrow night at, uh, at Crypto.com in downtown yes. L.A. for the first of three games this week, the Kings against the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Stephen Nelson. We will talk to you soon. Winners and losers Turn the pages of my life We're beggars and choosers With all the struggles and the strife I got no reason to turn my head and look the other way We're good and we're evil Which one will I? Sinners, life's a gamble, and you might lose. There's cowards and heroes, both have been known how to break the rules. There's lovers and haters, the strong and the weak will all.